Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to I'm Talking Waffles. I'm your host, Ileana. Welcome to another fun, exciting Monday morning. I hope you had a great week so far, and I hope that the weather is treating you well. I know right now where I am in Ontario, Canada, it is very snowy and very, very cold. They got up to minus 30. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Uh, if you use Fahrenheit, it's probably very cold as well. I don't know how Fahrenheit works because I'm Canadian, but yeah, I got up to minus 30 and it was freezing and it felt like my ears were gonna fall off. And just to give you an example of what, what minus 30 feels like is basically, let's say you're as warm as possible. You're bundled up, you got scarves, hats, mitts, toques, a nice warm jacket, boots, all the layers basically. As soon as you go outside, somehow the cold breaks through all of those layers and goes directly to your bones. And it feels like your bones are having a brain freeze. And parts of you that you didn't even know existed get cold. And also the liquid in like your eyeballs freezes, I'm not kidding. And the liquid in your nose that's always just chilling there freezes and you open your mouth and your mouth freezes and it's a horrible experience. So that just kind of gives you a bit of an insight of what minus 30 is all about if you are lucky and never had to experience it. But yeah, I hope the weather's been treating you well. We're towards the end of winter, sort of, like we still got February to get through, but we're surviving, we're thriving, we're doing our best. Winter is almost over, spring is on the horizon, so we just gotta keep keep on trekking through. So enough about that. Today, I'm very excited because this is the first ever time on I'm Talking Waffles where we're gonna talk about a book. I mentioned in the kind of like what to expect in season two, uh, I don't remember what I named the episode, but basically in that I talk about how in this season, we're obviously gonna still be telling stories and having guests and stuff, but we're also gonna be doing book reviews because I read a lot of books on like, a very frequent basis. I've read two books so far this month uh, of January. Uh, is this episode coming out in January? Yeah, this episode comes out in January. Um, so yeah, I've read two books as of recording this uh, in January, and I tend to read about two to three books a month. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. If you watched my YouTube video about some of the books I read in 2021, I forgot to mention I also read Animal Farm, but I just forgot to mention it in that video. But that video is basically books that I read from August to December. So if you're interested in some of the books that I read from August to to December, sorry, not September, feel free to check that out on my YouTube channel. But yeah, today we are gonna be talking about one book in particular that I just finished, and it's from the Percy Jackson and the Olympians book series. And the first book of the series is The Lightning Thief. So without further ado, let's jump into that. So Percy Jackson and the Olympians is a still pretty popular book series written by Rick Riordan in about 2006, 2005. It says published, but also says first published. So we're gonna go with the 2005 date here, June 28th, 2005. What's really interesting about this like author and what he did is basically, I read somewhere that his child kind of had some like ADHD and dyslexia and stuff and never really found any representation about like the kind of stuff that he lives with on a daily basis in books. And so his dad, Rick Riordan, decided, okay, I'm gonna write this book basically for you. And so the main character of the series, Percy Jackson, has ADHD and dyslexia. And I think it's just like really wholesome that his dad recognized that his son or his daughter, I can't remember, 
I think it was his son, didn't feel represented and loved reading. And so he made this character that kind of represents people with ADHD and dyslexia around the world and shows them that they can still be awesome and great. So that's a bit of background on that. The best way I would describe the Percy Jackson in the Olympian series is it is a series for, I wouldn't really say young adults, I would say younger readers, like people who read The Hunger Games or Harry Potter, Maze Runner, Divergent. It is a book directed towards children, but as an adult, I think it was still a really fun read to get through. So basically, the series is about this main character named Percy Jackson and how he finds out that he's actually a demigod. So his father was actually a god. And so this story kind of follows how Percy Jackson had a lot of trouble in school because he has ADHD and dyslexia and like trouble controlling his temper and everything. And so he's always been like every single year, he's always expelled from school. And then he starts at a new school and then like the cycle continues. So this one year in particular, so he's like a younger kid. He's like 12, 13 years old, maybe younger. And he's at this new school because obviously he's at a new school every single year. And he actually has a friend at this school, a, a guy named Grover. And this is basically a school for people with kind of issues. So every single person in this school has their own issues they're dealing with. And so there's a lot of bullies and mean people and people who struggle with like academic work. Although he's really happy because he has this one teacher that he really, really likes who basically always makes him feel like that he believes in Percy and that Percy has so many great things about him. So he really likes this one teacher, um, but he also has a teacher he really doesn't like this is pre-algebra teacher. And she's always like really, really mean to Percy for like no reason and blames him for everything. Another thing that is important to note about Percy is that he lives in this school. He has never met his father and his mother is a very sweet, kind lady who works at this candy store and she's married to this guy he calls Smelly Gabe, which is just like the epitome of disgusting, mean stepfather who's always playing poker, is really mean to Percy and his mom and like basically forces them to go do a bunch of stuff. So that's just a bit of background on him. There will be some spoilers. This is basically my review of it. So. I will warn you when the spoilers are about to come, but this first part, we're just gonna focus on the story as a whole, and then we're gonna talk about some of the spoilers. So when Percy's in school, uh, he basically goes on this field trip with his class, including the pre-algebra teacher. And at one point, Percy's getting, like his friend Grover is getting bullied by this one girl who's just been picking on him this whole entire time. And so Percy gets mad and he swears that like the water attacks the lady, like the girl. And he's like, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know how I did that. And like the girl's really mad and she's like, how dare you attack me? And so the pre-algebra teacher kind of calls him away to yell at him and stuff. But then the pre-algebra teacher actually turns into this like monster and tries to kill him when the teacher that he really liked throws him like this pen that turns into a sword and he actually like destroys this monster. And he's like, what just happened? Like that made no sense. And he tries to tell his friend Grover about it and like, Nobody even remembers this teacher existing. And so Percy's starting to think like, why do I remember this? And why did I see that? But nobody around me remembers that. And so he kind of thinks he's going like a little bit crazy. And then he's like, no, no, I know what I saw. So I can't remember if it's the next day, but basically later on he hears Grover. He goes to talk to his, like the teacher he likes about something um, because his teacher teaches Greek mythology. And so Percy's really, like he's really interested in this kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, like he actually understands it and all that. And so he goes to talk to that teacher one night 
when he hears the teacher and Grover talking to each other about like the kindly ones and Percy's like what is going on like and they're talking about how like Percy needs to be protected and like is he ready and like these guys are trying to kill him and like all this stuff and Percy's like uh oh and like so he runs back to his room and is like okay so that person did exist I did see that monster why are my friends lying to me and why does my professor know this kind of stuff or like his teacher so eventually he realizes that Grover his friend knows something and has been hiding something from him and so Grover's like oh yeah like uh, I'm gonna help you out I'm gonna protect you like all this stuff and he's like okay okay whatever so Percy eventually goes he's gonna go back home to see his mom because like I mentioned he's out of boarding school and so he's he lives at that school and he doesn't live with his mom but his mom is super sweet and everything and so he's gonna go see his mom and Grover's like oh like I'll come with you like uh, I'll make sure you're okay and he's like Grover like I've been protecting you this whole time like I'm not gonna like you don't need to protect me I've been protecting you and so he kind of like he kind of like tricks Grover in a way and like he ends up going home without Grover going with him and Grover's obviously not happy about this because I'm not gonna spoil anything but Grover is trying to help him and so Percy goes back to his mom's and like smelly Gabe is like a jerk all the time and he's like ah why is this kid back and like he's just really mean so then Percy is like okay He's talking to his mom and then um, his mom starts to suspect that something may have happened. So they decide to go on this kind of like nice trip that they always go to where his mom had originally like met his dad. And so they just, they go on that trip together, not with Smelly Gabe, just him and his mom. And they start to talk about stuff and she kind of reveals, like she sort of kind of realized at this point that Percy's no longer safe. And Percy obviously has no idea what's going on. And so the mom's like, you're not safe here like there's something like you have to go like your dad always wanted you to go to this one place but I didn't want you because I didn't want to be separated from you but like this is the only way to keep you safe and then like this minotaur and like these other monsters start like chasing them and so they get into like the car and they're like trying to escape and eventually they get and Grover's here too uh, Grover eventually finds them um and then they'll get in the car and they're trying to escape to this place that Percy has no idea what's going on, obviously, but his dad had told, like, his mom that Percy needs to be here to be safe, and Percy's mom now understands that Percy's life is in danger because Grover reveals that people at Percy's age, around, like, that 11, 12, 13-ish age, they don't usually live past that because that's when all the monsters kind of find them and start to hunt them down. And so they're trying to help Percy get to this, like, kind of safe haven area, um, and Grover's helping, the mom's helping, but then, like, this minotaur comes, and it starts attacking them and then like I don't want to spoil too much but basically Percy's mom evaporates into like this gold dust stuff and like Percy's like did my mom just die and so he's obviously upset and he kills the minotaur and he ends up keeping this little horn because when you kill beings in this world uh they kind of drop souvenirs and so he keeps this minotaur horn and he actually saves Grover and he like pulls him over to the area and then he basically wakes up and like the next day he's basically at like he's being taken care of by a couple of people and he finds out that he's at this place called Camp Half-Blood. So skipping a little bit forward because I don't want to give you like a detail by detail of the book. Basically what happens after that is he recovers and stuff and it turns out that all monsters that die don't actually die. So the minotaur that he killed, pre-algebra teacher who turned to the monster he killed, they didn't actually die. They just got sent to the underworld and obviously they're going to hold a grudge. And so they can come back and kill him. So obviously he's like kind of freaked out about that, but he really just wants to save his mom because he doesn't believe his mom is dead because 
the minotaur was strangling her and then she turned into nothing and he's just like okay i need to save my mom like she's alive she's definitely in the underworld and i need to save her so basically he's at this camp half-blood place which is basically a summer camp uh for demigods and he basically learns that he's the son of a god and this isn't too much of a spoilie because it does say in the goodreads description who his father is so i'm gonna say who his father is Basically, he's the son of Poseidon, who's the god of the sea. And the reason why all these monsters are attacking him is because Zeus and Poseidon, and I believe it was also Thor, made kind of a deal. They call them the big three. They made, a, they made a deal to not have kids anymore because their kids are just way too powerful. And so they made a deal, they made an oath to not have kids. And if they did have kids, then... I can't remember who they made the oath with, but the person they made the oath with, with would basically just like send out people to kill these kids. And so that's why Percy's being like hunted down like a ridiculous amount because he's the son of Poseidon, which makes him more powerful than any of the other demigods. So that's important to note. He also gets this kind of like oracle about how he is gonna be going like on this mission, but he's not gonna be able to save this thing that matters to him, him the most. And he's gonna get betrayed by someone who he calls a friend. And so that's a really big kind of thing that's weaved throughout the story because this story in particular, The Lightning Thief, really, really focuses on how somebody had stolen Zeus's lightning bolt. And all the fingers are pointing at Percy. Everyone's blaming Percy, saying that he stole it, but obviously Poseidon knows that he didn't steal it. And so the Oracle basically tells him that he needs to go and retrieve this lightning bolt, or there's gonna be this gigantic war between like all these gods and stuff. And so he's like, Yeah, I don't wanna like I don't want a war to happen. Like I just found out like who my dad is, kind of thing. And so he teams up with Grover, who is actually, I can never pronounce this word, but like a satyr, which is basically like he's like a goat kind of thing and he wants to be a searcher which is basically uh someone who finds this guy named pan who's like really involved with like nature and he like disappeared and so grover his friend turned out to actually be a goat this whole time and then he also becomes friends with this girl who kind of helped him like after he like managed to get here she kind of like she didn't bring him back to life but she helped nurse him and she is basically the daughter of Athena and her name is Annabeth. And there's also other characters in the story too, like this guy named Luke who basically taught Percy how to sword fight. And there's also some other like people from the Ares, like who are sons, sons and daughters of Ares. And all of the people in the camp are basically divided into like who they're children of. And they play games like capture the flag and stuff and practice on like becoming better fighters and stuff. Cause obviously they're like demigods. And so Percy and his friends, they kind of team up, uh, excluding Luke. Luke is one of his friends, but he is not in this adventure. Uh, this is Annabeth, Grover, and Percy. And so they set out on a quest to basically go to the underworld and find this lightning bolt because they assume that Hades stole it because Hades has always had like this dispute with Poseidon and Zeus and like all those guys, uh, especially because obviously he has to live in the other world and he's not allowed in Olympus only like once a year so they assume like yeah like Hades totally stole it so they're gonna basically go off on a little adventure to find Hades and demand that he give them back like the lightning bolt then so throughout the story you end up meeting a lot of different kind of like Greek gods and stuff and just like all the other characters from the myths and stuff and it was really cool so you meet Ares who's like the god of war and he's like this motorcycle guy uh which is kind of funny there is you meet Medusa who is 
basically just in the middle of like, I think she was in New York or something. And she had like this kind of place where she was like selling statues. And obviously she makes those statues because she's Medusa and she turns people into stone. And there were a bunch of other characters too. And so it was kind of fun because you're just kind of following these characters along their adventure. And then they're like, oh, and there are also like these three sisters who could turn into like the leathery monsters, which one of them was the pre-algebra teacher. There were these knitting ladies who were knitting and they cut like this thread and it was basically showing like someone's gonna die and Percy saw it. And so he didn't know if that meant he was gonna die or like someone around him or he's gonna get betrayed, something like that. And so there was a lot of interesting Greek mythology kind of weave throughout the story. And it was really cool. So that's just like a general overview of this story. I would say before we get to the spoiler part, I would say that the book is definitely good for younger people, but a little predictable as an adult, I would say. Like, I think if I read this story when I was like, like the age of the characters, like 11, 12, 13, I think there would have been a lot of like, whoa, like, I can't believe it. Like, that's such a big twist kind of thing. Um, but it was definitely still enjoyable. Like, I like this book and I feel like very similar to Harry Potter. The more I read the books, because there are five books in this series, the more mature it's going to get, I assume. Uh, but again, it's a book for children. So as an adult reading it, I need to understand it from like a younger child's mindset. But I kind of hope it's like a Harry Potter thing where it gets more mature as the audience matures. But if not, it's still a great series, great book. I really enjoyed the first one and it was a lot of fun. It was one of those stories where you're like, yeah, like I don't want to be stressed about anything. I just want to read a fun story. And that's what this was. And it teaches you a lot about like the myths and kind of that kind of stuff in like a fun way. So I thought that was cool. So on to a couple of spoilers. Now, there aren't too, too many spoilers to talk about, but basically I wanted to talk about the kind of twist ending of this story because I'm sure that it's gonna kind of pop up in the second book. So we know that they're going to the underworld to find Hades because they think that Hades was like the guy who stole the lightning bolt, but it actually turns out that it wasn't Hades and Hades is really upset that these like kids especially a child of Poseidon, is accusing him of basically stealing something. And he's like, what? But you stole my uh, my helmet. And Percy's like, I didn't steal your helmet. What are you talking about? And he's like, you stole my helmet. And, I'm, and he's like, no, I didn't. So it turns out the same person who stole the lightning bolt also stole Hades' helmet because they're trying to create that war on purpose. And so when Hades demands that Percy opens up his backpack, inside of it is actually... The lightning bolt and so obviously this looks really bad for percy but how it actually turned out what happened is percy didn't steal it and so when he met Ares, the god of war he gave him this backpack and the backpack was empty but once he entered the underworld the backpack had the lightning bolt which obviously made him look like he stole it and so when hades demanded like to see in the backpack bam it was in there because Ares had set it up in the way that as soon as percy goes in the underworld the lightning bolt would appear in there but it makes you wonder like why did Ares do that? Like Ares never really had a problem with anybody. He always did his own thing. Turns out that it wasn't Ares' idea. What happened is that he caught Luke. Luke, who is Percy's friend, or so he thought, the guy who taught him how to sword fight basically, was really, really upset about a mission that he went on. And it wasn't as cool or awesome as he thought. And so he went to, when he was going to bed one night, he started to hear like this voice of Kronos who in the Greek mythology tales was like the guy who ate his kids and then like, he was like a big Titan basically. And then Zeus ended up like 
killing him and like freeing all of his like siblings out of Cronus. And it turns out that Cronus has slowly been gaining power. Even though he was locked away, he started to like trick Luke into like wanting to help him. And so he ends up tricking Luke by like coming to his like dreams and stuff. And so Luke steals the lightning bolt and Ares actually caught him. But then, and he was going to turn him over because Ares is like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is dumb. But then Kronos ends up talking to Ares and like, again, like telepathically because Kronos is still like locked deep in the underworld. And Kronos convinces Ares to like work with him. And he's like, oh, okay. So that's why Ares ended up planting the thin on Percy because he was kind of told to. So it was Kronos basically the whole time who was kind of trying to start this war. It wasn't Hades. It wasn't like Poseidon or Zeus or any of those guys. None of them. It was Kronos because obviously he's not very happy that his kids did that to him. But I would say that like what was predictable for me, it wasn't the Kronos part, but it was the Luke and Ares part because they really did paint Ares as like, this big smug kind of villain guy. And then Luke, what was, what kind of set it off is that he gave Percy these like flying skate things that he could put on so he could like fly around. And as soon as they entered the underworld, the guy who was actually wearing them, Grover, cause Percy doesn't want to do anything with flying because Zeus is mad and anything in the air is like a no man's land because obviously uh, he thinks like Zeus thinks that Percy, the son of Poseidon, stole stuff, so he doesn't want to do anything in the air. So he gives Grover the skates, and they come in handy. But as soon as they enter the underworld, the skates start to pull Grover down to like the depths of the underworld where Kronos is, but we don't know it's Kronos. And at that point, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the skates were rigged the whole time. And you know who gave the skates? It was Luke. But I think again, like I said, when I was a kid, like if I was, <laughs> if I was a kid, when I was a kid. I don't think I would have picked up on that. I think I would have just been like, oh no, like what's happening? But yeah, that was just one of the things that I found was predictable. And another thing that wasn't really a spoiler, but I think they might've stuffed too much into the book. Like it felt like they could have removed some parts and it still would have been good. Like occasionally it's like, oh, they're escaping. Okay, they meet a new like mythology guy. Okay, they escape. Okay, they meet a new mythology guy okay, they escape. So that part I wasn't too fond of, but it didn't ruin the book for me. I think that it was still a really well done book. I think it was well, well written. I think it was funny. I think it was clever. I really liked how, again, they integrated the Greek mythology into it. I like all the characters and yeah, I just think overall it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. And I think that if you haven't read it, you should definitely give it a try. And if you have read it, maybe you should reread it or tell me what you thought about it. Uh, if you read it as a kid and you read it as an adult, is there a difference uh, that you enjoyed? Because this is one of those books that I was not allowed to read as a kid, very similar to Harry Potter, because I grew up in a very like Catholic household. So anything involving other gods or magic or anything like that was, as you expect, was kind of banned from me to read, which is very common. Like if you've met other people with uh, religious backgrounds and stuff, those kind of books were banned, but I'm just interested in the story. And so I always wanted to read the book, which is why I read it so, so late. Even if you don't believe in multiple gods or in one God or anything like that, I think the story is still worth a read as somebody who doesn't believe in any of that stuff. I really enjoyed it. And I think it makes it more fun because I'm not like attached to the idea of 
what Aries would do or what Zeus would do or what Poseidon would do or anything like that. I'm just like, yeah, like this is fun. Like this is a fun story. So I would probably give this book four out of five because it was really good, but I think that there are a few things that could have improved. And I also think that because I'm not the, the age demographic for it, there were some parts that I'm just like, eh, like I know what's gonna happen, but it was good nonetheless. So I hope this episode wasn't as tangled as I felt like it was, because there is so much to talk about in this book. Um, and of course, the more I start doing these book reviews, the better they're gonna be. So if this one wasn't that great, stay tuned. We can only go up, my friend. So yeah, with that, that concludes the first ever book review of the I'm Talking Waffles channel. I'm really excited to do more of these as I finish some other books. So stay tuned whenever I finish a book and have time to just let it fully digest. I'll be making another one of these videos. Maybe I'll make a script so I'm not so like off topic, like, oh, this happened and then that happened, but we'll see. We'll see how I feel after I edit this and like how it feels to me. Cause I really like that authentic kind of feel. Like again, this podcast is all about like, you pick up the phone and you FaceTime me or you call me and this is me telling you about a book I just read. So that's the kind of vibe we want to go for and I'm talking waffles. So now, of course, it's the moment you've been waiting for. It's the fun fact of the day. So today's fun fact is, dun -da -da! Poseidon was one of the primary deities in all major historical cities of Greece. Greece, sorry. In Athens, his importance was second only to Athena, who we mentioned in the book review, who is basically the mother of Annabeth, who is Percy's friend. While in Corinthian, and many cities of the region, Great Greece, he was the most important god. In benign form, he was regarded by the ancient Greeks to be the creator of new islands and the ruler of calm seas. However, when he was offended or ignored, he was believed to have struck the ground with his trident, which is the cause of earthquakes, floods, shipwrecks, and drownings. He's often referred to prayers of sailors who even sacri sacrificed horses for the purpose. Even Alexander the Great paused at the Sarans seashore before the famous battle of Issus to pray to Poseidon and offer the sea god a four-horse chariot by casting it into the waves. So I think that's pretty interesting. And if you like these kind of fun facts based on like these ancient kind of myths, Percy Jackson Olympians is full of them. I was looking through some of these fun facts and one of the first was like, he was swallowed by his father at birth. And I'm like, oh, I already talked about that in the book review because obviously Kronos is coming back in this series. So stay tuned for when I read the next book. I have a very irregular reading schedule really whenever I feel like reading but it tends to be like, like I mentioned earlier, a couple books a month, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be books from the same series. I have a couple of books on my shelf that I also wanna read, so definitely stay tuned, subscribe, follow, do all of that good stuff. With that, I'm gonna bid you a great rest of your morning, great rest of your evening, great rest of your night, great rest of your apocalypse, and great rest of your reading endeavors. I will see you next Monday. Bye.